I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. Our nation's roads, waterways, hospitals, and utilities support the millions of activities that people conduct each day to transact business, travel, communicate with friends and family, maintain health and safety, and more. They also include the venues where people gather to learn, worship, shop, or even find entertainment. In other words, they're the heart of our communities. These are all examples of our nation's critical infrastructure systems. And most of us couldn't imagine daily life without them. November is Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month. And on today's episode, we sit down with Brian Harrell, Assistant Director for Infrastructure Security at the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency within the Department of Homeland Security, to learn more about the vital role of critical infrastructure in keeping our communities safe and how each of us can contribute to the security and resilience of our nation's most essential services and functions. So, Brian Harrell, the Assistant Director for Infrastructure Security at the newly formed or somewhat newly formed U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency within Department of Homeland Security. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, Brian, uh, first, let's just start off with, uh, tell me about yourself and what the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, does. Sure. Well, thank you again for having me. Um, So the United States Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, the newest uh, operational component uh, within the Department of Homeland Security. However, uh, we've been around for a long, long time. Matter of fact, we were formerly known as the National Protection and Programs Directorate, or MPPD. Uh, You know, try and say that 10 times fast and, you know, bonus points if you even knew what it meant. And so now with a new name and some new um, authorities that we have, it's our opportunity to really demonstrate kind of that value proposition back and forth. So before we even walk in that door, people understand with a name like Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, what we're there to provide. I think before there was this question about, you know, what are they really trying to bring around the table? What is their value? What are the product streams that they're bringing? And so now with um, the the CISA Act that was signed this past November, um, we have an opportunity, I think, to really demonstrate to the American people what it is that we do. And simply put, uh, we are advising our nation's risk. We are our nation's risk advisor. And so really understanding uh, if we were to lose critical infrastructure, what does it mean for the American people? What does it mean for cascading impacts to uh, other sectors that might be affected? And so understanding through analytical products, understanding through capacity building and our field presence, um, how we can provide value to the private sector. We often say that we are the closest thing in the federal government to the private sector. And we pride ourselves on that. And we're really trying to have and open up these relationships with the private sector so that when things go bump in the night. When there is a need, uh, they know exactly who to reach out to, and they can expect some quality products in return. So you mentioned that um, CISA is the is the newest operational component of the Department of Homeland Security, and I want to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to focus a little bit on what you're doing during the month of November. So November is Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month. So tell me about the significance of this month and how um, it's being recognized nationally. Well, first, I think we need to think about critical infrastructure protection year-round. However, in November is uh, Critical Infrastructure Security and Resilience Month, and it's our opportunity to really 
highlight the vital role that critical infrastructure plays in everyone's lives. Uh, the American citizen has an expectation that when they come into a room and they flip on the switch that they are going to receive reliable electric power. Um, they're going to have clean drinking water every single day. And so a big part of our job is ensuring that these critical services remain. And so November is an opportunity. It is the month in which we're going to highlight and point to the certain things that the Department of Homeland Security in CISA is doing. We have a great relationship, great working relationship with FEMA. And so it is, again, an opportunity to highlight what critical infrastructure is, how do we best protect it, and I think we have a lot of great resources uh, that we're able to use. I often say over the last number of years, we've done a really good job of providing products, services, assessments, exercises, uh, threat and vulnerability assessments that nobody really knows about. And so this month, we're taking the opportunity to really shine a light on some of the, the things that we've done for a long, long time, but making them new, making them relevant, and making them valuable to industry. It sounds not unlike what we do for National Preparedness Month. Uh, at FEMA, you know, we really sort of encourage the the listeners and, and the American people to become more prepared during the month of September. And so in November, what steps can listeners take to get more involved in um, in critical infrastructure resilience? Well, you know, I'll, I guess I'll emphasize that, uh, you know, everyone has a role to play here. So it's really about being vigilant with our critical infrastructure. It's not just whole of government, it's actually whole of society. Uh, we're really trying to gravitate towards uh, collective defense. So we're trying to, within the month, really focus on enhancing resilience through preparedness and exercise, uh, promoting smart, secure investment in resilient national infrastructure, You know, adding redundancy, removing those single points of failure, and really working to understand how the government might operate and how industry might operate in a degraded state while we try to quickly uh, recover. So within the month, we actually have um, a number of themes uh, throughout. We're, we're focused on soft targets. We're focused on elections. We're focused on uh, the convergence between physical and cybersecurity. And then uh, the last week, we're actually focused on insider threat. So uh, you mentioned uh, a couple of those different areas of infrastructure, specifically uh, drinking water, power, um, you know, what is the breadth of infrastructure that your agency is looking at? I mean, are there priorities that you have? Uh, we do. And so I think it's important to understand that, you know, our way of life relies on a complex network of systems, you know, all working in harmony uh, together. And these systems are often threatened by man-made and um, natural disasters. And so having us focus on these critical lifelines, these critical pieces of infrastructure that we all need uh, to operate is one of our major uh, priorities moving forward. And I think as the world grows more and more interconnected, uh, our infrastructure becomes more and more interdependent uh, with certain functions that we have in order to produce electricity or to uh, you know, ensure that our financial systems remain uh, intact. You know, it is these major major critical infrastructure sectors that we're trying to focus on. And that seems very high level, I understand, but daily we are interacting with private industry in order to ensure that we're meeting, we're meeting their needs. Uh, if there's a gap, if there's something that needs to be specified or they need uh, something more specific in terms of our products and services, we want to be able to provide that. I think within the Department of Homeland Security over the last 15 years, we've done a lot of really good work at that 50,000 foot level. And I think now as we mature as an agency, we really need to start getting a little bit more specific in meeting the needs of individuals 
individual sectors and individual stakeholders. And that's where we're trying to gravitate towards now. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking, how do you do that on, on such a mag – such a huge level. So just say financial sector, you know, there's so many banks out there. There's so many different companies that own those, uh, that infrastructure. How do you do that? How do you connect with them? Well, I would say similar to FEMA, we have a pretty robust field presence ourselves, And so we have what's known as the protective security advisors or the PSAs. Uh, we're building a cadre as we speak of cybersecurity advisors as well. And so in the field are the touch points that industry, uh, private owners and operators of critical infrastructure should really be uh, learning to rely on on a daily basis. When things uh, happen in the middle of the night, when there's some sort of a, a crisis or a security event, it is these individuals in the field where they eat, sleep, reside in industry's backyard. It's not necessarily something that you're engaging at the headquarters level here in Washington, D.C. We have reps in the field, similar to how FEMA does their 10 regions. We have our 10 regions as well. Have a great working relationship back and forth with FEMA. And this is how we are able to move our products from the Washington, D.C., Arlington headquarters arena into the field where it can be of value. So really, the, the pointy end of the spear for us is, in fact, the field presence, which I think is a great model, and I think it's only getting more and more robust. Sure. Um, and I think that's a great segue into sort of that operational conversation that maybe we could have. And, um, and and the reason I bring it up is we've had a number of conversations where CISA has been part of the um, of what we've talked about here on the podcast, especially as it relates to the update of the national response framework and the, established, the, the new establishment of um, emergency support function 14. So switching gears, uh, we recently released the updated version of the National Response Framework, and CISA has that much more active operational role. So talk me through what you see CISA's role and where it can go. Yeah, so the updated National Response Framework really establishes CISA as that lead for the emergency support function, or ESF-14. So ESF-14 you know, provides those unique services to enhance response operations is really that platform that engages the private sector, you know, leverages some of those existing resources and those capabilities within any affected uh, community. But it also provides that analytical capability uh, surrounding interdependencies. Uh, when something happens, what does it mean to the larger breadth of um, the other 16 critical infrastructure sectors? If we lose power generation, what does that mean for the chemical facility down the road? What does it mean for the ability to create and ensure clean drinking water still exist. And so it is this um, idea about risk and what does an event actually mean to the larger society, to the United States of America, in terms of cascading impacts and in the interdependencies. And so, you know, while it's a new ESF uh, we've actually been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, operationally, we have provided these capabilities for for years. You know, so if Company A has a problem, you know, Entity B has a solution. How do we marry these individuals up to try and solve hard problems and come back to homeostasis as quickly as we can with some of these critical services to the American public? And you do do you sort of see that as an extension of the work that uh, the regions and your field presence is doing in sort of. Um, peacetime, um, outside of disasters, you see that as a, just sort of a natural um, continuation of their work into the disaster, the activation of the national response framework? Yeah, I do. And I think the NRF and I think uh, the National Infrastructure Protection Plan, I think uh, the National Risk Management Center, and now ESF-14, that's a lot of acronyms, I understand. But all of these things are major and important components to um, 
responding as quickly and as efficiently as we possibly can. Uh, at the end of the day, this is about saving lives. This is about coming back to uh, response and recovery as quick as we possibly can. And I think it's this framework that really starts to highlight roles and responsibilities. And during a time of crisis, we're not building our crisis response plans. We're not passing around business cards for the very first time. Everyone understands that they have a role to play. Nobody is stepping on each other's toes. There's not redundancy and everyone hates redundancy in the federal government. And I'm uh, you know, a, a number one champion of removing redundancy and building efficiency. And I think these foundational documents and the gravitation towards ESF-14 provides that capability to come back um, as quickly as we possibly can during a crisis. You know, for the listeners, whether it's a, a local emergency manager or the, just the general public, and they're sort of learning about um, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency for maybe the first time, what do you hope their takeaway would be um, if they're getting engaged in this month in November? Um, or even understanding the role of CISA under the National Response Framework, what, what do you hope the takeaways would be? So, I mean, we have a number of um, priorities within uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Um, you know, I'll list just five of them real quick, and then I'll kind of go into, you know, kind of wh what we hope is the outcrop of the month. Uh, you know, first one is election security. You know, we understand that um, nation-state actors are are going to be looking at the 2020 elections again. How do we get ahead of that? How do we manage and, and mitigate risk? And then to you know, that supply chain risk management, which involves some of those cyber threats that we're seeing from China and kind of the rollout of, of 5G. Uh, protecting our government or .gov networks. This is a big focal area for us. And notice I didn't say federal government networks. This is as state and locals become the targets of ransomware and things like this, we have the indicators of compromise. We have the lessons learned and the best practice to bring state and locals uh, along in terms of bringing them cyber hygiene, cybersecurity essentials to where they can have more secure networks. And then, you know, soft targets in crowded places. Uh, these are those facilities that don't necessarily have that strong security apparatus in place. It's not the airport. It's not a military installation. It's the stadium. It's the racetrack. It's the, the running race or the marathon that you might run this weekend. Uh, it's the zoo, the museum, the restaurants. You know, these uh, organizations, uh, these facilities or these campuses don't necessarily have strong security. So how do we ensure that the, that we are giving them the resources and the expertise to provide themselves the ability to be a hard target? So soft targets in crowded places is, is a major focus for us. And then lastly, uh, really understanding that we need to help better protect our industrial control systems. And these are the operational processes that provide those vital services within critical infrastructure, you know, such as you know, moving electricity from point A to point B or cleaning uh, that drinking water. And so in terms of what's happening here in November, this is really our opportunity to, to highlight uh, within a month uh, that every organization needs to boost resilience through preparedness, through those exercises, and we need to promote smart and secure investment in our resilient national infrastructure. I think everyone plays a role within security and resilience. And as we build response and recovery plans, we need to also exercise those plans. I often say that we do not get better in a time of crisis. We always default. We always revert back to the things that we know, the things that we have seen, the things that we've touched, the things that we've smelt, the things that we've heard. And so this is why law enforcement and the military train every single day. And so as we build these plans, we also need to exercise these plans so that we are essentially 
prepared to be overwhelmed. And we need to ensure that the relationships are in place under blue sky conditions so that it saves lives down the road. Yeah. And to that end, you know, are there resources available for the public and also infrastructure owners uh, to learn more? You know, absolutely. So uh, I would certainly start by pointing to CISA.gov, uh, C-I-S-A.gov. Uh, on there, we have our Infrastructure Security Month Toolkit. And then, of course, you can also follow us on Twitter at CISA.gov. Uh, and so uh, these are uh, our main channels of communication, communicating. Uh, we're doing a lot of social media uh, this month. We're pointing back to a lot of the products and services that we provide, which, oh, by the way, are absolutely free. They've already been bought and paid for by the American public. Public, and now we want to ensure that they are being pushed out so that we can respond quickly um, and we can recover to um, mass casualty events or just security events in general. We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for future topics, send us an email at FEMA-podcast at FEMA.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast. Mm-hmm.